Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. We're going to look at Esther 5. We looked at Esther 4, chapter 4 last week. And I'd encourage you, I said this last week, that if you've never read the book of Esther or you've looked at it before, you've glanced at it, I want to encourage you to look at it again. Read the whole book. It's not very long. Read the story of Esther just to understand a little bit more of what is going on. But last week we looked at the title of the series was Behind the Scenes. Behind the Scenes. And last week we looked at the fact that actually in our lives sometimes, how, how many of you know God is working in places we can't see. He's doing things in our lives even when we can't see it. And sometimes we're always looking for what we can see, but actually he calls us to live by faith and not by sight. And, and I want to encourage you that if you were encouraged last week, I, I really believe that God wants to say something further to you today. I really believe that God wants to open this, this up even further. And I, I know that a few people came to me last week and said, God is speaking to me. But how many of you know when the Holy Spirit wants to speak, sometimes he wants to go a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper in our lives. Last week we looked in Esther chapter 4 and we said that sometimes we saw, we, I focused particularly on Mordecai. The uh, Esther's uncle, we looked at Mordecai, the fact that he was broken in his life. But even through brokenness, he saw a breakthrough with God. And sometimes God calls into these places in our lives where we feel that things ain't going too well. In fact, we've just heard a story just a minute ago from Lee, where someone today is broken. We've prayed for that person. They're at breaking point in their lives. Sometimes they can't see a way forward. But how many of you know that sometimes when we're broken and God brings us to that place, there is breakthrough. Amen. Also, we looked at boldness. Esther had to approach the king. That was the objective. We're going to look at that this week. She had to step into the presence of the king. And she knew that she'd not been called for 30 days. And to step into his presence was a risky thing. It was risking her life. So it took boldness. And sometimes boldness in our lives brings breakthrough. God is calling you to take steps sometimes that you don't want to take. And when you do... There's breakthrough. We also look then at Mordecai in his weakness and Esther. The moment that they plan to do this, the first thing that they do is not just put on the royal robes and, and enter into the king's presence and ask for deliverance for the Jews. But the next thing they do is they fast for three days and three nights. Sometimes we've got to get weak before God. Sometimes we've got to get weak and in our weakness there is breakthrough. We think, we think sometimes in our lives we've got to feel strong. We've got to feel on top of the world for God to have breakthrough in our lives. Listen, you could be feeling the lowest of the low today. And I want to tell you, you're close. The Bible says the kingdom is near. It's at hand. Amen? So when the kingdom's near, it doesn't matter how bad you're feeling today. God is Near. In Esther chapter 5, the story continues. I'm just trying to give you kind of a, a preface, a, 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 an introduction as to what I'm going to say today. But in Esther 5, the story continues. Now we've got a position where we looked at last week where we've got Mordecai who's broken at the gates, the king's gates. He can't enter into the king's gates or into the outer court as it were. And Esther, she's about to approach the king. She's now going to approach the king and ask the king for favor for her people. But now we know they've fasted. And we're going to see now in Esther 5, as she goes in and makes this request, the request is made. 
She trusts God completely. It's a pivotal moment of life and death. Let's look at it. Esther 5 and verse 7 we're going to look at. This is what Esther said. My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and my full request, let the king and Haman, that's Haman who was out to attack Mordecai, tomorrow to the banquet, and I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. And then it says this, verse 9, Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home, calling together his friends and his uh, his friends and Zeresh, his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons and all the ways the king had honored him and, sh- and, and how he had elevated him above other nobles and officials. And that's not all. Haman added, I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. And she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction. As long as I see that Jew, Mordecai, sitting at the king's gate. His wife, Zeresh, and all his friends said to him, Have a pole set up, reach into height of 50 cubits, and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go with the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. This suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the pole set up. Then we look at Esther 6, verse 1. He says this, that night the king could not sleep. So he ordered the book of Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him. His attendants answered. The king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai on the pole he had set up for him. His attendants answered him and he's standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. When Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor, have them bring the royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on its head. Then let the robe and the horse be entrusted to the one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew who sits at the king's gate. Then he says this, do not neglect anything you have recommended. Hallelujah. I want to ask you the question today. When you're broken and you're outside the king's gate like Mordecai, everything is falling apart. You've trusted God. You've been broken and you're at breaking point and now you've fasted, you're weak, you're broken. What do you do in life when you do these things and it gets worse? 
Because the problem is sometimes for you is that actually you trust God. You do everything that you know you need to do, but things get worse. I've had times before when I've prayed for the sick and they've got, they've got sicker. You know, and, and I think, shall I quit this healing ministry? Sometimes I pray for someone I've not seen a breakthrough. Sometimes in our lives we trust God. We do all the right things. We tick all the right boxes. But yet we don't see a breakthrough. In fact, things seemingly get worse. You see, what was happening right here and now is that as soon as they'd done this, they'd fasted, they'd prayed to God. As soon as they got in this place of submission, the enemy raises the attack. You see, Mordecai now has a 24-hour, if not less, plan to kill Mordecai. You see, the plan before was that the Jews would be annihilated. There was time to save them. There was time to do something. But now as soon as Mordecai stepped up a gear in God, as soon as he does this, the enemy began to step up another gear and say, look, in 24 hours, I'm going to kill this man. What do you do when things get worse? You see, it's now when you don't quit. It's now when everything starts to get worse, you don't quit. Because when things are getting worse, it's a sign that God is doing something in your life. It's a sign that God is doing something magnificent in your life. When everything seems to go worse, God is there. Many people use this term in life. They say, if you can't stand the heat, get out the kitchen. I want to encourage you, when the heat is turned up, you've got to stay in the kitchen because God is cooking up something for you. Amazing. Don't listen to what the world tells you. Don't listen to what the world says, that if it gets tough, if it gets hard, you've got to step out of there. Don't trust God anymore. What has God ever done for you? If you can't stand the heat, stay there. Because when it gets hot, it's going to be great. You see, there were three men in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, when they trusted God, when they put God first in their lives, the heat was turned up. They faced a furnace. When they faced a furnace, when they faced a fire, and things began to get worse because they didn't bow down to the king, the heat was turned up. How many of you glad today, Sunday school, when I grew up, I'm glad that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego didn't walk away and say, I can't take this. I don't want to take the fire. I don't want to take the furnace. This is too much for me. I'm glad I sung the songs. I'm glad I knew that people who taught me that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they looked at the flames and they said, our God's going to be with us. You see, when you see flames in front of you, when you see the furnace and there are threats from the enemy, it's now when you've got to stand up for God. Hebrews 12, 29 says, our God is a consuming fire. In other words, if you're with him, you'll consume the fire. What do you do when things go from bad to worse? That's what was happening here. And you see, the truth is this. Sometimes in our lives, we fast, we pray. We say, God, I'm going to trust you on this one. I'm going to give you three days to sort this one out. In fact, this is my plan. I'm going to test you out. God, if this is not sorted by the end of the week, I'm going to fast. I'm going to have an extra day this week. And you get there and you wait and you get to the day and nothing's changed. Then you start to get angry with God. God, we had an agreement. God's saying, I never had any agreement. You made this plan. You've got to continue to trust me. 
You see, I want to talk today about what it means to submit to God. You see, true submission is when you sustain it and you continue. When things get hotter, you keep sustaining with him. Submission is a continual thing. It's not something you're going to do and then step away from. Submission to God is everything in your lives. Title of part two today is this, the hidden power of submission. You see, sometimes when you submit to God, you don't see behind the scenes what's happening. When you submit to him, there is a something taking place. There is powers taking place that is changing things on your behalf that you don't see. Number one today, I want to bring a few points. And number one is this, submission to God brings you confidence. It brings you confidence. How many of you know that the enemy loves to rob your confidence in life? I've met so many people that their confidence is robbed because of the things, the attacks in life. Their confidence has been shaken and you can see they don't look confident anymore. The enemy loves to rob you of confidence in God. Submission to God will give you confidence and you will not fear your enemies. What does it say here? Verse 9 of Esther 5, it says this, Haman went out happy, out that day happy and high in spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. You see, what's happening right here is this. Haman's just gone into the palace. He's now found out. He's been chatting to to Esther. He's seen Esther. And he comes out in high spirits because he thinks everything's going well for him. And he walks out. How many of you have had these Hamans in your workplace? When you've prayed, when you've had that troubled work character, when you've had that person you've been working with, and you keep praying to God saying, God, I need help here. But yet it never changes. And you see them getting happier and you're getting worse. He says he came out in high spirits. He came out happy. You can imagine him coming out singing. You are good, King Xerxes. You are good. And all the time, Mordecai's there with ashes in sackcloth thinking, look at you. Why is it that you're happy? Why is it that I'm trusting my God? You're happy and in high spirits. The Bible says that a crushed spirit who can bear. Sometimes when your spirit's crushed, you feel the lowest. The last thing you need is someone singing their songs who are not a Christian. The last thing you need is that work colleague. You've been praying to God and fasting saying, just move them on. Uh, you know, I have many, I've had lots of conversations with Christians. I'm praying for that person to get a promotion to the job center. <laughs> You're laughing because you've all done it. We pray because we're saying, God, I, I know that they, they, they're going to have such a better career if they go to this job. We pray and ask God, shift these people, move these people so I can be repositioned. I need a better life. And there's nothing worse when it gets worse. When people are happy and you're not. He was happy and in high spirits. Now listen to me. It says this in Esther 5.9. Mordecai, when he did this, neither rose or showed fear. 
I want to ask you something today. When this happens to you, it's times like this when the enemy says, you might as well give up on God. Look, why don't you join them? Why don't you be like one of them? Because if you're like one of them, they've got life sorted. Now's the time to stand up. Don't bow down to God. Don't trust God. Just give in. But he says he never rose or should fear in his presence. You see, it's what happens when you need, when things get worse, when the heat's turned up in your life. It's what you do. Are you going to stay bowed to God? Are you going to stay bowed on your knees to God? Or are you going to rise and think, I've got to fight this fight on my own? You stay bowed to God. How many of you know that what happens then in, in, in Haman's heart, he says he was filled with rage inside, but he contained himself and then went home. You see, sometimes when you bow down, you don't see the effect. You don't see the effect on your enemy. You don't see the outward effect. You see, he was there and he was filled with rage, yet happy in spirits. How can you be filled with rage and happy in spirits? Sometimes people are putting a show on for you because you, as you pray to God, the, the God is working in their lives. You see, what he didn't like is the fact that he submitted to God and he didn't stand to him. I want to encourage you today. The enemy is going to, in your life, sometimes want to make you stand. But I want to encourage you, always stay bowed to him. Always stay bowed down to him. You see, God never forgets what we pray. You've been praying things. Some people in here have said, I've been praying for certain things. I've just not seen God answer yet in his timing. I've I've not seen God come through. But listen to me, God always knows the right perfect time for you to respond to you we see this in the book of daniel chapter 10 verse 12 it says this god hears and he responds here through an angel it says this the angel speaks to daniel in a vision he says do not be afraid daniel since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your god your words were heard and i have come in response to them in other words there's a time There is a point where he said, we recognize there was a point in time when you humbled yourself. You put yourself low before God. That moment of time till today, I'm here in response to those words. That submission that you gave. Mordecai was confident in what he couldn't see. I want to encourage you today. God, if you submit to him, will give you confidence when you can't see anything happening. We've got to be confident when we don't see any change. Because what's happening on the inside is bigger than what is on the outside. You see, what happens is this, the truth's revealed. Haman gets home. He goes and finds his wife, Zeresh, and, his fr- and her friends. And then he has a chat. He says, do you know what? I was happy, but I'm going to tell you the truth now. Now I'm here. You see, the truth is this, I'm in rage. Because nothing is giving me any satisfaction. Because while ever I see that man at that gate, while ever I see him sat there, I can't have satisfaction. You see, you don't know sometimes what, the, what, the, what God is doing behind closed doors. We see here right now, Haman is a different person. He's here with his wife and his friends. And he's saying this, he's saying, nothing gives me satisfaction. While he sits there at the gate. Sometimes in your life, when you can't see breakthrough, you've got to sit it out. Sometimes you've got to sit Sometimes you ain't got to stand and run around and get all worried. You've got to sit. He sat at the king's gate. He submitted himself to God. 
There is power, more power than you can see when you submit to him. See, some of us sometimes want to run around and start doing things. Oh, God's not doing anything. Nothing's happening. I've not seen any change. We get up and we start to interfere. But how many of you know, Haman was already being affected. Sometimes you just got to sit, sit down to truly submit to him. Moses in Exodus 14, 13, in the New Living Translation, it says this, when they faced crossing the Red Sea, and they had all these armies facing behind them, Pharaoh and his armies chasing after them. Verse 13 says this, he said, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Sometimes you've got to sit or stand still, whatever, but just stay still. What's happening inside you is far greater. God is working. He will give you confidence when you keep trusting him. Number two today, submission to God brings influence. How many of you know that when you submit to God, when you get on your knees and pray, that Satan is the last thing he wants you to do? You see, one of the biggest problems is this. If you chat to many people, because of our time, we find it hard to pray. We find it hard to read our Bibles. And listen to me, many of you right now are thinking, I, I, know what he, I know what that means because I still can't find the right time to do this. Listen to me. Do you know why? The enemy loves to make you busy. While every makes you busy in your life, gets you focused on other things, and gets you away from the Word of God, away from praying, he's getting you into a place where you are not having any influence. You see, when you pray, do you realize what's happening behind the scenes, people? When we get on our knees and we pray and we fast, do you know that in the heavenly realms, something is happening? I don't know if you're excited about that today, or do you just think, no, I'm just going to say my few little prayer points before I go to bed. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go and say these same prayer points every day. Listen to me. When you get on your knees, you are going to get breakthrough in the heavenly realms. If you don't believe that, I don't know what you believe. Ephesians 6, 12. It says this, we struggle against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Not Tesco's when you're at work. No, the unseen world. The things that you can't see behind the scenes. There are principalities. Do you know there are principalities and powers at work in the unseen realm that when you get to your knees and you submit to God, you're going to start to have influence in. You see, I want us to be a church, a praying church. That's why the prayer meeting every week is the most important meeting. Because when we get into the prayer meeting, do you know what? Satan thinks, oh no, here they go again. Here they go again. I'm telling you, you want revival? You've got to submit to him, but you've got to pray. You've got to pray because it's the engine room. When you pray, there is something happening the enemy doesn't like. And he wants you today to be thinking right now, well, I'm not so sure about that. I think it's worship. I think it's this. I think it's this. Listen, when you pray and you submit to him, truly submit to him, there is breakthrough. He says, we struggle against evil rules and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. What happens next? Okay. Now, 
He's praying. He's a bit more confident. He's got no fear. He's saying, I'm trusting you, God. He may be happy in spirits. He may look good. Everything looks pretty good. It's working okay now, God. He's gone home. I'm still here. I'm bowed down. What happens next? He says this. The next thing that happens is him and goes home, tells his wife and his friends. And within the, that night, they tell him to build an instrument of death to kill, to kill Mordecai. You see, I don't know about you, but sometimes the enemy now steps it up another gear. You see, when they're laughing at you in your face, but the next thing is that he starts to build this instrument of death. It says, Haman's wife, Zeresh, verse 14, and all his friends said to him, have a pole set up, reaching to a height of 50 cubits. Ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go with the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. This suggestion delighted Haman. And he had the pole set up. Do you know that he left that place, that palace that day? Within one night, he's already building a 50 cubit height pole to kill Mordecai. Do you know what 50 cubits is? That's 75 feet. To give you an indication... If you were to go down to King's College in Cambridge, the turrets to the height of King's College is 95 feet high. You do the math, 75 foot, 95 foot. All of a sudden, what's happening now is that Mordecai is bowed down to God. He's still trusting God. He's saying, God, I'm still going. I'm finding it hard in the face of my enemies. They're laughing. They're joking. But the next minute, God seemingly doesn't answer his prayer. All of a sudden, he starts to see these gallows, this pole being built up to the reaching the height of 75 feet. And right there and then in his prayers and fasting, he sees his own death instrument before his eyes. What are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to quit this. I'm going to get this sackcloth and ashes off. Uh, in fact, do you know what? I'm, where's Esther with those clothes? She offered me some clothes. Where's Esther? I'm going to get the clothes back. This is just not working. Where is Esther? I asked her to go. This is getting worse. What do we do in our lives? Halfway through, we're thinking, I'm not so sure I can trust God. In fact, I should have took that option, that secondary option, that comfortable option. We're trying to find our Esthers again. Can I have the clothes back? This is, this is not working. Listen to me. Now is not the time to give up. When you see that even though you've trusted and now you see, because listen to me, if you see a 75 foot pole being erected and you're at the king's gate, listen to me, it's not only Mordecai who saw that, but all of the village and the town in Susa would have seen this, this thing being built and saying, what's that for? The word in the town that got around, listen, tomorrow I'm going to go and see the king and I'm going to have that man killed. The word had got round. The, the words would have got back to Mordecai. Hey man, do you know that this thing that's been built is for you? He's going to try and kill you. The enemy tries to use attacks, fear in our minds, saying, stop submitting to God. Look, can you see the height of this thing? How many of you in your lives today, listen, I really believe God wants to speak to someone today, but how many of you in your lives today, the sins have piled up in your lives. There are things counting against you. The case is rising. The thing is getting built. And every time you try to trust God, every time you try to put your trust in him, all of the time, the case is being built against you. The enemy is saying, look at the stuff you've done. Look how high this is. How many things you've done wrong. And all the time you're battling, as you look, your sins are counting up. I remember that thing I did 
There's nothing, nothing I can't. God is not going to forgive me for that. God's not going to forgive me for this. That is the worst thing you could ever do. And your sins begin to count up. And they count against you. The enemy is building always a case against you. He is the accuser of the brethren. He is the one who's saying, I'm building the scaffolding. I'm going to show you when you trust him. All the more, I'm going to show you what's against you. In fact, the wages of sin is death that was said this morning. The wages of sin is going to build a case against you that you deserve to die. How many of you know that every one of us today deserves to die? Everyone. Not one of us deserves to be here. But Jesus paid the price. All of a sudden he's building this huge, large weapon to impale him on. I know now that this time for me would be the time when I feel like quitting. And you right now, you're probably thinking there's a moment in your life that you're saying, you know what, there are things building up against me in my life. There are sins right now that I don't believe God is going to forgive me for. Listen to me. Whatever it is, do not detract from submitting to God. No matter what sin it is, no matter what situation it is, no matter how tall and how big and how wide, listen to me. Today you've got to magnify your God so that your problems are minimized. It's only when you magnify him, it's only when you make him the rock, him the tower, that truly you will understand that nothing will separate you from him. Nothing. I remember years ago, before I was, I gave my life to Jesus. I remember going out with some work colleagues, and I'll never forget this. And I'm sure some of you are going to know what it feels like this. But I went out with some work colleagues, and I used to swear like a trooper. Oh, yeah, my words, they weren't good. I swore like a trooper. And do you know what? I swore so I'd be in with the crowd. Listen to me, young people, don't ever believe that swearing and using your language is going to get you in with anyone take you down a rough road. But I was swearing and I was always wanted to be the person just like everyone else. And I went out for this meal one night and I think Emma was with me then and went to this meal. And I'll never forget some statement I said that night that made everyone laugh as I swore. A profane word came out of my mouth and everyone on the table laughed. I mean, you know, sometimes the enemy says, oh, you know, you keep saying these things. If people laugh, they're going to like you. See, I like that attention, you know, hope they This is good. I'm going to do this again. Do you know what? All my life while I worked in the company where I used to work with those people, every single time we went out for a meal, do you know what they did? They always reminded me of that funny comment that I said, the same swear word, even when I was saved. The problem is the enemy does this. He says, I'm going to take your moments that you've had, your bad moments, and I'm going to make a monument out of them. I'm going to make a huge, tall monument that every time you try to move on in God, you're going to see this 75-foot pole against you. Every time I try to move on in God, what I get is this. They'd say, you remember that time when you said that funny thing? Yeah, but but now it's changed. Yeah, but remember, wasn't it funny? Yeah, but no, I've changed now. Don't, Don't you understand? You see, the thing is, people love and the enemy loves to make a monument out of your bad moments. Some of you right now, you know in your lives, 
Forget whether it's sins and what you're trying to grapple with. Sometimes people remind you all the time. There's a Paul. You deserve to die. He's coming for you. Why try? Why try? Listen, I'm here to tell you this morning the good news. That you don't have to look at the Paul. You don't have to look at this remembering uh, monument. Because whatever you've done. We heard it today. Love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. It covers a multitude of sins. Isaiah 59, 12 says, for our sins are piled up. Piled up before God and testify against us. It's not very good news. Yes, we know that we're sinners. We are, says Isaiah 59. But I mean, you know that he covers a multitude of sins. No matter how many sins are piled up for you today, that are reminding you today. I sensed the Holy Spirit speak to me when I was putting this message together. And I'm not going to call anyone out or nothing. But I sensed the Holy Spirit say to me today, there is someone here, a young lady today, that has done something in her life that she is regretful of. And I, I sensed the Lord speaking to me. And I don't want to call anyone. But I sensed the Lord say, there is someone here who has had an abortion when they were younger. At some point you had an abortion. If you're here, God wants you to know this. He spoke to me today. And said, tell that person, whatever they think about themselves, I forgive them. If they think that that is too high. You think it's too high. You think it's far too big. You're thinking all the time, I can't can't move forward because I know what I did. Listen to me. If that is you, listen. The enemy has tried to rob you of your future. To tell you that you don't deserve it. But there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. There's no condemnation. And I want to encourage you today. It's been on my mind since I put my message that the Lord felt, I just felt impressed. If that's you, I want you to know that God wants to speak to you today. You may be a grown-up woman, whatever age you are, it doesn't matter who you are. God wants you to know, whatever decision you took, he forgives. He covers a multitude. Your sins are piled up so high, more than 75 feet. It's what took him to the cross. We all have these regretful moments, but listen to me. Whatever it is that you're allowing God, allowing to speak into your life, sometimes you've got to change your view, change your perspective. See, I put here that whatever has prominence in your life has the power to influence your life. Whatever has prominence in your life has the power to influence your life. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. What is prominent in your life? Is it these towers? Is it these things that are challenging against you? Or today is it God? That God is bigger. We sang it earlier. Our God is greater. His name is great. We magnify the Lord. We make him bigger. Listen, when you put a big magnifying glass on God in worship, you magnify him so your problems minimize. Everything starts to look a little smaller. The more you put that big magnifying glass on God, everything starts to get smaller because he is bigger. He is greater. There is nothing. And I want to encourage you today, if anything, when you submit to God, you're going to influence, you're going to have influence not only on people, but on the enemy. 
it comes against what he tries to remind you. Hallelujah. Romans 4 verse 8. Paul said, blessed is the one who sinned the Lord will never count against them. Never. You see, I want to tell you something today. That the cross of Christ stands above everything. The cross of Christ stands above all. You see, right there and then, there was this instrument of death he could see probably in the distance being built. And all the time this thing was being built, he looked at it, knew that it deserved death for what they were all trying to do. But listen to me today. There is one who went on the cross. He was cursed upon the tree for you and for me. He died for you. The cross stands above everything. Anything that you can think of today. Mordecai chose not to look but to pray. How many of you know that not only does it affect the things in the unseen realm, in the spiritual realm, but when you pray, when you submit to God, I've got some other good news for you. Because some of you are thinking, well, I can't always see what's going on in the unseen realm. I can't see what's happening there. I'm only going to find out when I go to heaven sometimes. Listen to me. Sometimes you can change things on earth. Did you know that? When you pray, you have the power and authority to change and shift things. You see, what's happening now is while he's submitting to God and he's trusting in God, the king is in his palace and it says this, he couldn't sleep. How many of you know that Esther tried to offer clothes just to even get into the outer court, not the inner court? She says, I'll go in the inner court for you with my royal robes. But I can give you some clothes just to get in the inner court and get out of these sackcloth and ashes. But how many of you know that right there and then at the king's gate, the barrier's there, he can't go any further. How many of you know in the submission to God, all of a sudden he makes the king not sleep? How many of you know today, friends, that when you pray and submit to God, you can affect people? You have access to the king through the king of kings. Matthew 16 verse 19 says that we, he gave Peter the keys of the kingdom. And that applies to us today as well. He gives us keys to the kingdom. What we bind in heaven will be binding on earth. What we loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. In other words, what we agree on, we have the ability, we have effect in the kingdom of God to bring the kingdom of God onto earth. Right there and then, he accesses the king's bedroom. Accesses it and makes him wake up. Accesses it and makes him go and open the book of Chronicles. And what happens next? King Xerxes opens this old book, dusts it off and looks inside. And when he looks inside the book, he discovers that actually at one time, at one time in his life, Mordecai actually saved his life. You see, he wouldn't have known that before. Oh, what it is when the Holy Spirit would remind someone, when he would open up his eyes and make him get out of bed. There's only one thing that can do that. It's not running inside the king's bedroom and shouting, just have a look in your book. It's when you submit to God. When you submit to him, you can change everything. We sing a song, just one touch from the king changes everything. In other words, listen to me, what you can do in the Heavenly realm, sometimes you can also do as it accesses the natural realm. Right then and there, he was in his room seeing, and there he decided to change and revert. Listen to me, friends, the, turbo, the, the, the tables were turned. The tables were turned in that moment. God can do something. And Do you know what? When the tables were turned, 
Mordecai still couldn't see it. He's got no idea what's coming the next day. He's just seeing this 75 foot pole. That's all he's got in sackcloth and ashes. And sometimes that's all you've got. You're just trusting God. Things are not happening. But behind the scenes, King Xerxes has already decided, I want to find out this man and I'm going to honor this man and I'm going to lift him. You see, behind the scenes already, God is ready to elevate you, bring you out of your problem. Bring you out of your situation. Do not give up. Finally, number three, submission to God brings deliverance. The whole point of this story was for deliverance. The whole point of the book of Esther is the fact that the Jews are going to be annihilated and they need deliverance. How many of you know today that you need deliverance from your position? Some people need deliverance here from your situation. Some people are bound by things. You need to be set free. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price so that you could be delivered. Set free. The next day, King Xerxes calls Haman. He says, come on in. I need a chat. You see, you don't realize I've been up in the night. I've not slept. And I've discovered that Mordecai outside at the king's gate, he actually saved my life once, Haman. Haman at this point is probably thinking, oh, no. Yeah, but you see, I've been reading and he did this. I want you to know that I want to honor this man. In fact, he even got Haman to do it, to help out. How How God works sometimes is so above and beyond what we could ask for. (laughs) he's so above and beyond what you could ask for. You see, when the tables are turned, you've got to get ready for it because it's going to be a special moment. Don't give up for that moment. No matter how big that situation is, them tables can be turned. He says this, Esther 6, verse 6, and I'm coming to a close soon. When Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, for the man who the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn, and a horse the king has ridden on, one with royal crest placed on its head. Then let the robe and the horse be entrusted to the one of the king's noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor, and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the The king delights to honor. Listen to me. Right then and there, there was a plan made for Mordecai that he was about to be put on royal robes. Listen, these weren't just the king saying, just look at what's in the cupboard of some of those special robes you know that we have. He says, actually, we're going to give you the royal robe that I've worn. I'm going to give Mordecai one of my robes that I've worn. In fact, go and get one of those good horses, one that I've ridden. Give it to him. In fact, get one of those horses and put a royal crest. Crown, crown the, 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 the horse with the crest. I want him to have the best. You see, when you trust God, there is a moment coming for you of breakthrough where you are going to ride through and your enemies will have to proclaim. They will have to say that you are good, that you will be honored before your enemies. Some of you are thinking, no, it's impossible. You don't understand my situation. You've got no idea. Listen to me. Trust God. Because right until the moment, even when the planning was taking place, he still, all he could see was the 75-foot pole in sackcloth and ashes. The king recommended a royal robe he'd worn, a horse he'd ridden, and this royal crest on the horse's head. 
We know then as we look into Esther 7, we've not got time today, but Haman is killed. In fact, Haman is killed on the very pole that Mordecai erected for him, put up. Haman eventually is put on that same death instrument. A life was took, and now Mordecai was paraded. He paraded through the streets. He'd had all the good treatment. Now God would honor him for submitting to him. Haman was killed. Listen to me today. I've got something important to say. For you today, a price has been paid. A life has been took. Haman took the penalty and Mordecai lived. Haman took the penalty and Mordecai was able to receive the robe. He was to receive this horse and this crest. Do you know there is a penalty being paid by Jesus Christ? There is a cross that stands that you can look at that raises above everything. And a life has been paid for you. What for? So that you can receive the robes of righteousness, Isaiah 61.10. Robes of righteousness, garments of salvation. You can receive the robes of righteousness because of him. What else has been given? We've been crowned with glory and honor, says Hebrews 2.7. We've been crowned with glory and honor. Listen to me, whatever you think today, there is something that Jesus has done for you. If you're saying my sins are totally against me, there is a price that's been paid for you and it's Jesus on the cross. And he says, I want to give you the robes of righteousness, not for a cost, but for free. See, the world's offering you a robe and a crown that fades. The world offers a robe and a crown that fades. Hear me out here. Listen to this. You see, Esther, through this story, if we remember last week, she offered through the gates some clothes. She said, Mordecai, why don't you take these clothes so you can come in to the outer court? You can at least come in. Why don't you take these clothes? He said, no, 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 no. I don't want your clothes. I just want to stain sackcloth and ashes. I want to keep submitting to God. And he didn't take them. And when he didn't take them, God honored him with a robe from the king. Nothing that Esther could have ever given him. The world will try to offer you clothes that just never reach the robes of righteousness. The world will try to offer you something that's temporary, that fits and looks good for a season. But it's not the robes of righteousness. There will be robes that underneath you still feel dirty, but yet you look good. There'll be robes that the world will offer you and say, come and enjoy this. Come out and, and do these things. But underneath you feel rough and dirty. You see, only when you receive the robes from the king is when you feel clean. It's only when you receive his crown that never fades that you will know what it is to be truly loved. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.